Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Well, it's great to be with you this morning. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Matt. Um, This is our first Sunday of our Ivy Church Christmas series. And it's great to be, um, as I say, to bring this to us. And we're asking ourselves a question this morning. And we're asking ourselves a question this Christmas. And that question is, what does Jesus want for Christmas? What does Jesus want for Christmas? You know, maybe you're used to putting yourself into a question like that. Maybe you're used to saying, what do I want for Christmas? Or maybe you're used to putting your friends or your family into that question and you ask, what do you want for Christmas or what do they want for Christmas? But have you ever asked the question, what does Jesus want for Christmas? I think, wow, what a great question that is. It's, it's like thinking of, um, to me, that question is like asking a question to someone who already has everything. I don't know, do you have those friends or family members who are just so hard to buy for? You know, like they, they've got enough money in the bank that they could just go and buy whatever they wanted anyway. And it's just so hard and it causes stress um, to think about what can I get this person You know, when I ask that question about uh, what does Jesus want for Christmas, the Son of God, surely he can have whatever he wants, right? What do we give um, Jesus for Christmas? You know, I think there are two types of person when it comes to gift giving and presents. There's two camps that you can fall into. The first camp is, I'm going to write a list. And I know if you're sat there, you know if that's you, I'm going to write a list. The other camp is the surprise me camp. I want you to surprise me with a gift. So let me give you a little bit of explanation as to how I see these two camps. So if you're a a write a list person, then you are someone who I think is like this. You're the kind of people who know exactly what you want. You, you don't want to mess around with people maybe understanding what you want. You know it, what it is that you want, and therefore you are happy to tell people, you can buy me this gift. You um, are specific about it, but also you can't cope with disappointment. You can't cope with the fact that someone might get you something that you weren't wanting. Then we have the surprise me camp. Now, the surprise me camp, I think this is maybe what you're a little bit like. You tend to not know what you want and therefore you cop out by saying just surprise me just surprise me with a gift because actually I don't know what it is I want or you do know what you want but you're just playing mind games and you're expecting everybody else to be mind readers so we know exactly what it is you want but you're just saying surprise me or you might be like this you like you like the excitement surprise me people they like the build up the not knowing you're the sort of person who gets the box who doesn't know and they rattle it and they try and guess before they open it and you know what i think if you're in the surprise me camp you're a great actor because how many times have you been received a gift that maybe it wasn't what you're expecting but that smile comes on your face and you're like great thank you so much for this what is it <laughs> sort of thing you're great actors if you're in the surprise me camp 
I'll let you a little, let you know a little bit about um, me um, and my family. Although I can't speak on behalf of all of my family, but a little secret about me for sure is I'm rubbish when it comes to gifts and presents. You know, I think I'm good, but reality is I'm pretty rubbish, and I fall into the I'll write a list camp for sure. Um, I'd just much rather people get me uh, what I want, um, or more so in, in older years, what I need rather than just what I want. Um, and, and I'll happily write a list. Me and my family, we write a list. But do you know what? We've even gone one step this year to just say, let's just not get people gifts. Um, in, instead, we're going to give to charity instead and bless others who are maybe less fortunate than us. But we fall into this, I will write um, a list camp for sure. Do not get me wrong, I love surprises. If you feel that God is prompting you to go and buy me a gift right now, then um, you can send it to Ivy Church and I'll receive that. And I will practice my acting skills to say thank you so much uh, and what a blessing that will be. But seriously, um, my experience of surprises, especially on Christmas Day, I love surprises, but my experience has been that surprise gifts have tended not to be the ones that I want to always remember. But joking aside, whatever camp you fall into, whether you're someone who loves to write a list and tell people, this is what I want for Christmas, or whether you're someone who just says, surprise me, I, don't, you know, I want you to think about who I am and what I might like and all of that. If you, whoever you are, wherever you are right now, we all ask ourselves these questions, don't we, each year? What do I want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? What should we do for Christmas? But again, I want to ask you this. What does Jesus want for Christmas? You know, after all, it's his birthday, is it not? Is that not what we're celebrating each December 25th? It's his birthday. He is the one who we should be buying the gifts for. Imagine going to a birthday party and not even considering the person whose party it is to get them a gift. You know, parties, those things that we used to do where you could have more than six people indoors in a room. Yeah, remember those? Sorry if that... um, has maybe put a little bit on a down of the fact that we, we can't do that right now. But imagine thinking about uh, the person whose birthday it is, or forgetting about them, that you're so obsessed with what is it that I'm going to wear to the party, or um, what, uh, my, what are they going to give me? What's he going to give me? You know, so often we're so self-obsessed in this time, but have we ever asked the question, what does Jesus want for Christmas? And it's so important, so important that we ask ourselves this question this year. But you know what's even more important is that we find out what the answer is. So I want to ask you the question, have you asked it? But more importantly, have you answered it? Each week in our, um, throughout the next few weeks here at Ivy Church, we're going to be going through the nativity story. We're going to be looking at the characters in the story and we're going to look at their lives to help us answer this question that what does Jesus want for Christmas? You know, this is arguably one of the most life-changing questions that you could ever ask, but more importantly, answer. I'm excited. I'm excited for this series. I'm excited to be speaking to you this morning. I hope you are too. So let's jump into the Bible. We're not going to jump into the story just yet because I want us to start in Mark, Mark 12, verse 30. It says this. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is going to be a key verse for us 
throughout um, the uh, Christmas period. And I have here a little bauble that says heart here, because this is what we're going to be focusing on today. These are the words that Jesus spoke. Um, and it's a great place for us to help us ask, answer this question about what does he want for Christmas These words really are going to help us, Um, and this verse, as I say, is going to be a framework for us. And so today, you've probably guessed it, that we are looking at the word heart. So I'm going to ask Tim um, if he can do the honours for me um, to just go and pop that on the tree. Uh, And we're going to be adding baubles each week with the the focus, with the theme that we are looking at And so today we are looking at what does it mean for for us to love God with all our hearts. I want us to explore this morning what that truly means for us. Not just something nice that we hear on a Sunday or something that we've heard many times before. But what does that practically look like in my everyday life? How can I live a life where my heart is fully on fire for Jesus? Where I've given it fully to him and that affects everything that I do. So let's jump back into the Bible, into um, Luke 1. Luke 1, we're introduced to a young girl, just 13 years old, around that age, who has this unbelievable encounter. She has an encounter that's going to change her life forever. You know, this one encounter would result in her becoming the foundation the focus of, of poems, of hymns, of paintings, of statues. Little did she know that her story would be reenacted, would be sung about, would be um, the focus of, of, the, of plays around primary schools around the world. Um, you know, for millions of people, this person holds a unique place in their hearts. You know, I think she's arguably the second most important person in the incarnation story, second to Jesus, of course. And who am I talking about? Well, of course, I'm talking about Mary. So let's jump in and let's read a little bit of Mary's story now. If you have a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 1, 26, or the words hopefully will come up on the screen for you. It says this. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to, be, uh, to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting could this be? Then the angel told her, do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favour with God. Isn't that amazing? Imagine an angel turning up to your door and saying, you have found favour with God. Wow, that is so cool. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she uh, has conceived a son in her old age. And this is a sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. 
Wow, what a story, what an encounter, what a moment in history. We see this young girl, Mary, a nobody, chosen by God to give birth to somebody. Somebody who is going to save everybody. Jesus, the saviour of the world, and she is to raise him as her own child. Wow, can you just imagine that? Pause for a moment and imagine this happening because it did. And what is Mary's response to the message? I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I don't know about you, but I don't know if the Lord was to put something so huge on me that that would be my response as to just say, okay. I'm happy to do it as your servant. I will step into that. You know, I'm sure many over the years have questioned why Mary? Why her? Why this, this nobody? Why this servant girl? Well, I think there's a simple answer to that question. There's probably more complex answers, but really simply for me, why Mary? Because of her heart. Because she loved the Lord so much. You know, it wasn't her outward appearance, that's for sure. She was young, she was nobody in society, and yet God chose her. You know, the, the Bible says that it's not, it's not the, um, the outward appearance that God looks at, but he looks at us in our hearts. If we jump back to 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, this is when uh, Samuel's um, going to, to choose the next king. The Lord has instructed him, and God speaks to Samuel in this process of choosing David. And uh, he, he says this in reference to one of Samuel's older brothers, the one that you would look at and think he is king material. But what does the Lord say? He says, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. Because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, but the Lord, uh, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, Mary's heart was the Lord's. She may have been a nobody, she may have lacked social status in her community, she may have had nothing to offer in the eyes of the world, but the Lord knew where her heart was and who it belonged to. The Lord knew that her heart was in the right place and that she had given it fully to serve him. To say, Lord, you are in control of my life. Her heart was the Lord's and she was willing to be used by it. I wonder where is your heart this morning? Or more importantly, whose is your heart this morning? Is it yours? Is it somebody else's? Is it the Lord's? Have you given it to anybody? Have you given it to him? Where is your heart this morning? Whose is your heart? You know, you could think, wow, what an opportunity for Mary. Of course she would say yes to what the angel is proposing. Who wouldn't? Mother the Messiah, come on, I've hit the jackpot here. But let's not forget the pressure that she was under, the uncertainty or the fear that she was about to step into. Mary, a virgin, yet to be married, She's got to be thinking, what are the neighbours going to be saying about me? The ridicule, ridicule, sorry, the gossip, the mockery that she was about to face, the shame, the dishonour, the condemnation that awaited her by accepting the Lord's blessing on her life. It took faith for Mary to say yes. It, it was a risk for her to say yes. But she did it. 
She did it saying a big fat yes to God because that is where her heart was. A step of faith to believe in her heart that God was in control. You know, it takes a step of faith for us to say yes to Jesus, to give up control and to be willing to serve just as we have read that Mary did. You know, Mary is quite incredible. When I, when I read this story, when I think about her, I think, wow, what an amazing woman. She had the audacity to believe that she was chosen by God. And better still, that it wasn't a mistake. That God doesn't make mistakes, but he had chosen her specifically. He'd singled her out to be the mother of the son of God. Maybe he's chosen you to do something amazing too. Can you believe that? This morning, can you believe that he has singled you out to do some amazing works in his kingdom? You know, the human heart is a, is a fascinating organ. Um, some of you may know it more than others, but uh, the heart is like, it's something that has rhythm. It restores us. It replenishes us. It renews us. It revives us. You know, the heart is the physical source of life. If you haven't got a heart, then... Sadly, we're dead. But when you give your heart to God, you're no longer just physically alive, but you are spiritually alive too. Isn't that amazing? That we're holistically alive in Christ. You know, God is the source of all life. And without the one, we are nothing. So will you give your heart to him this morning? You know, the Bible says where your heart is, your treasure is also. For Mary, when we look at her in the scripture, I can see that her treasure was her Lord, God and Savior. And her heart was fully invested. And God used her and God blessed her in that. What a beautiful story this is. That God would choose someone that society would disregard and not think twice about. You know, we see that a lot in the Bible. That is a common theme that these um, unexpected leaders, these nobodies, these outcasts are actually the, the unsung heroes of the Bible that God chooses to use in his kingdom. The least expected, chosen to do amazing things for God. See, he saw Mary's heart. And when he saw it, he saw a humble heart. Is that what he sees when he looks at yours and mine? You see, he doesn't look at our outward appearance, as we've already said, but he looks inside. What does he see when he looks inside? You know, Mary, she, she knew that the world needed a saviour. Just looking around her, they had been longing for years and years for the saviour to come. She knew the world needed saving, that they were lost, that they were broken, that God had to step up and step in. You know, proud people, they think they have no need for Christ. They think they've got it all. But those who humbly cry out to God, those who would humble themselves to the position of a servant, know that they are in need of the healing, of the saving grace that is poured out through Jesus Christ. They know that they need his forgiveness, that they need his guidance, and that they are found righteous in his sight by his doing, not by their own. And they invite them to be with them too. You know, we don't need to have status. We don't need to have security. We don't need to have skills to be used by God. We just need to have an open heart. 
we need to be humble enough to say, you're in control. What you say goes, God, and I am willing to serve. But what does that practically look like for us? You know, as we step into another week, as we lead into this Christmas season, what does humility actually look like for us, for you and me? Well, it may be that you offer yourself daily before the Lord. Are you spending regular time with him? Are you getting stuck into his word and saying, I'm yours today. I'm willing to be used by you. It may be that you, you give yourself to others, listening to them, investing in them. You know, be present in the moment. Humble yourself to be listening. Maybe it's putting others first, your family, your friends, your colleagues, giving them your full attention. Being grateful, have an attitude of gratitude in this season. Not thinking what I can get from it, but thinking about others and being grateful for what you already have. You know, Anthony spoke about that a lot in the last few series, uh, the last few weeks, sorry, in our series about being rich God's way. Listen back to that if you've not checked it out already. Being humble is asking for help, is saying, I don't know it all, but Lord, come and help me, or somebody else, come and help me. That's what humility can look like for us today. You know, in preparation for this morning and just taking a moment to stop and to pause and to ask God, what is it are you saying to us through this story, through Mary? I believe he's saying, I've chosen you. You know, just as God chose Mary, a common, ordinary person, God has also chosen you and me, common, ordinary people. Just because I'm stood here doesn't make me special in any way. I'm just an ordinary person, yet God can use me if I'm willing. Why? Because he loves us. Christmas is God loving us. And you can receive that today. He wants us to love him with all of our hearts, every single bit of it. And what's beautiful about this is that it's in Mary's humility that God placed his divinity. It was in her humility to say, yes, I'm your servant. My heart is yours, that God was able to place his divinity, the son of God, Jesus Christ, who would grow up and die to save you and me and make a way for us to spend eternity with him. You know, just as Jesus was born in a humble stable, again, something that we wouldn't expect of a king. So Christ is born in humble hearts. Will you humble yourself today and allow Christ to take rightful place? God birthed in Mary a miracle that changed the world that we get to sing praises of his name, that we see lives transformed because of his power. Because Mary's heart was willing, her humility said, not my will, but yours. What's your heart saying this morning, church? Have you said yes to that? You know, you don't have to wait for Christmas Day to say yes to Jesus. You can say that right now because it's already happened. 
Jesus has already um, been born, grown. He's already won the victory and we're standing in a place of victory right now. You can say yes to him for the first time. You can say yes to him for the hundredth time this morning. I want to pose you the question, will you say yes to him? Will you give him your heart today? Because he is willing to come to you. Just as he came to earth all those years ago, he wants to come to you right now. If you believe, if you trust, if you'll take that step of faith. I believe God's birthed the miracle inside of you too, just as he has in Mary. And he wants to know, are you willing to step into that? Are you willing to humble yourselves and say, it's not my will, but yours, Lord? So just as God placed in Mary, he can place in us too today. His divinity, his, his spirit, it's alive in us. I want you just to take a moment wherever you are. If it's chaotic in your household, great. Invite God into the chaos because that's when he speaks best. If it's quiet, if it's peaceful, then take this moment to just spend it with him. Give your heart to him again. You know, you might be thinking that my heart's broken. I'm sinful. It's stained. I've messed up. I get things wrong. I'm hurting. My heart is hurting. You know what we call those sorts of people? We call them humble. We call them humble. You know, God says to people like that, I love you. Yes, I love you. Let me step in. Let me mend it. Let me birth in you a miracle. So will you engage in the divine exchange today? Will you give God your heart? Not just a little bit of it, not just the bits that you want to hand over, but will you give it fully to him to say, yes, Lord, you're in control. I'm trusting in you. I'm stepping out in faith because I don't know what the future looks like. I don't even know what tomorrow looks like, but I want you to lead me, Lord, because you're my treasure. And I want you to have my heart. Let's pray before we enter into some worship. Jesus, I thank you for the nativity story. The story where we get to marvel at how wonderful you are. Coming into this world so unexpectedly. Using people that most would disregard. But Lord, I take hope in that. I take courage in that because it shows that someone like me who is broken who is in need of a saviour, can still be used if my heart is willing. I pray that your spirit would move in the homes of those watching right now. Lord, that you would touch their hearts, that as they lay their hearts down before you, Lord, that you would pick them up, that they would feel your warm embrace. I feel like people just need to feel the, the closeness of the spirit this morning would you come and draw close Jesus we praise your name Jesus we thank you that Emmanuel means God with us you're not alone although you may be alone physically 
you're not alone spiritually when you invite him in when you give your heart to Christ you're never alone I pray that you be blessed today this week as we engage in our Christmas series give your heart to Christ Amen Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org/media.